Wednesday morning, Gil Alexander, your betting dork, pregame.com. And Wednesdays, as always, means Sabermetrics Wednesdays. I look forward to it each and every week. Welcoming back to the show, the great forum guest himself. I don't even consider you a forum a forum member guest. I just consider you part of the show. Base winner, what's happening? Well, thanks for the introduction, Gil. I, I appreciate it. And coming from you, and you know, it sounds like it's a broken record because every time it's Wednesday, you're coming off a sweep. And, and again, last night, another sweep. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I, I, I answer the phone and talk to you on Wednesday and, and you you swept the board. It's a congratulations, incredible analysis. I'm, I'm, and also congratulations for your pro uh, promotion status. Very happy for you. I think it's well deserved, and and uh, you know I'm, I'm glad you're going to continue to thread because it's going to save me money. I'm still not going to have to go to Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, well, no, the thread. Well, thank you first of all. The thread. That's uh, you know I, I made a point to say this yesterday, but the, the thread will absolutely continue um, with free picks throughout the season might not be you know multiple picks multiple free picks every day once that starts but it certainly is not going away and and the main thing like i said is the interaction like i love the fact that the thread is interactive all day long i even if i can't get to an answer you know within five ten minutes you can pretty much guarantee i'll be there within an hour you know at the, at the latest during the day uh, of when people post and sort of direct questions at me. But it's just such an interesting thing because not only am I saying stuff and, you know, giving my thoughts, but everyone else does too. And we can all learn from each other. You know, it's not a one-way street thing. It's very interesting to me. So I love that conversation during the day, you know, short of being able to actually talk on the phone with everybody. So I appreciate it, dude. And, and uh, yeah, we, that one was never in doubt last night, huh? Oh, so, yeah, no, we, we had it the whole way. No, no problem <laughs> at all. What, what a game last night. And, and uh, I tell you, after the gut-wrenching uh, result on Monday, I, I thought it was well-deserved. I'll take it. Well, you, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's sort of like I after, for me, you know, there was a few bad beats in a row. One Friday, excuse me, one Saturday, one Sunday, one Monday. The, uh, the, the Red Sox had squandered a five-run lead on Saturday. The Pirates, as a plus-220 dog, you know, took two wild pitches in an error. Red Sox, of course, with Papelbon blowing his first save of the year on Monday. So, yeah, I'll kind of take that one yesterday without much of an apology. I, uh, value is value. And, again, and I've, I've said this on the show, and I've said it in the thread, and I know you agree with this as well, base winner. The Red Sox and Yankees simply should never have a spread either way. Now I'm talking either way. That is that lopsided, period. The, that rivalry just has a dynamic that lends to that never, it should never be the case. Oh, I totally agree with you. The price was so juicy the last two days. And, and you're looking at a good team at Boston. I mean, they can, they can swing it with anybody. And to see that kind of line, it, it quite, quite frankly, it amazes me. And, and uh, I was just, I was so happy to see that line because, you know, we, we both played the Red Sox both days. And, and all you need is a split, and all of a sudden you're ahead. And, and you're, you're ahead even though you're one and one. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, so, hey, if they want to keep the, keep the number that high in that situation, I'll take it every day of the week. Yeah, and that's the thing is I always, I always say this. I, th- I said this after the um, Cubs-Pirates line on Sunday where I just thought, you know, we all do. We all have a true. We all do our own handicapping, and we come up with a true line, and then we juxtapose it against what the actual line is. And I said about that Cubs Pirates game on Sunday that we may never see, in my opinion, a 
discrepancy, and I won't even call that one a discrepancy. I'll call that one a, a chasm between what the true line and the actual line should have been in that ball game. And I said, we may never see that sort of discrepancy ever again this season. And I think with the Red Sox and the Yankees, I'm not sure we'll ever see those lines again this year because I, I would I think people have learned their lesson. We'll see. But we'll see how that goes. It's amazing to me what I've seen over the last, and I've been doing this for 20 years, and what I've seen over the last year and a half are these high lines, and sometimes they win, and I think what happens is people get comfortable, they feel good, they had Sabathia last night, oh, there's no way he's going to lose, you know, Boston's in disarray, hey, we're, this, this is, this is a, a lock, and a lot of people will, will feel that way, and and they they will they will feel very good because maybe they hit maybe they got a minus two hundred. I think there was a lot of money on that Chicago game, and and people maybe they hit that, and so they're they're comfortable now laying that kind of wood. And I tell you what, it's I'll take the other side of that that like I said any day of the week, and it's amazing to me where these lines have been going over the last year and a half. But it, I think it presents a lot of value uh, playing the other way. Sweet usage on laying that kind of wood, by the way. Nice turn, <laughs> nice turn of the phrase. I like it. Hey, before we get into the uh, saber metrics of the day, because I'm assuming you've got your leans ready to go based on your lab analysis, correct? I do. I've been crunching numbers all morning, and I've come up with some pretty good nuggets today. The official Wednesday saber metric nuggets and. Okay. I'm comfortable with this. I think this, these, these plays are going to look pretty good here. Okay, well, before we do that, I just have a, a basketball rant of sorts, so you'll indulge me here. I know while the, while the rest of the world was watching the uh, Celtics and Magic last night, you were mired in, you know, some Padres action or something like that. I know you were <laughs> immersed in a baseball <laughs> game. The, the Mariners and the, uh, and the A's. <laughs> That's I was right. very interested in the run line bet on that as everybody's, you know, watching the post-game conferences of – of the Celtics and the Magic, pretty, pretty hilarious. <laughs> well, I uh, grew up in Washington, D.C., grew up as a Washington Bullets fan, sort of at this point almost ages me when I say that. But, you know, the Wizards are the franchise that once was the Bullets. And the Wizards won the NBA lottery last night. They got the number one pick in the draft. They only had a ten, roughly a 10% chance of winning it, and they won the lottery. And so, in essence, they have the rights or the opportunity, I should say, to draft John Wall. Knowing the Wizards franchise, they may jack that up, but I'm just saying they have the opportunity to draft John Wall from the University of Kentucky. Now, we have been talking uh, all week, or I have been talking all week about LeBron, and I specifically did so with Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports on Monday, which I really would recommend as a listen because Mark is extremely insightful. In fact, if you had just listened to that show, you would have been all over the Celtics in games one and two of this series. And in fact, yesterday with Sack Lawson, I was talking about how I couldn't believe how the Celtics were getting seven and a half points in that game, and much of it was from my conversation with Mark. But Mark's contention is that LeBron still stays in Cleveland, and he, he states a very, very interesting case as to why he believes, through all this conventional wisdom now, that LeBron is going to... Uh, Chicago or Miami or wherever, why he believes that he's staying in Cleveland. And I think he makes some fascinating points about it. And I actually think, to me, he convinced me Cleveland is still, through all this media hype, still the front runner in all of this. But I, base winner, would like to suggest on this show, and I hope you don't laugh me off, why are the Washington Wizards now not a consideration? 
Now, before everybody turns off the podcast, let me state the case for the Washington Wizards. Hear me out here. The Washington Wizards will now have both John Wall and Gilbert Arenas in place in the nation's capital. Now, besides the Bulls, and we're going to throw out Dwayne Wade. Mark Spears makes some great points as to why LeBron won't end up with Dwayne Wade in Miami. Dwayne Wade is obviously the best player that LeBron could end up playing with. But for reasons that have a lot to do with ego and legacy, he won't end up there. Besides that, the only team that has a better array of talent now in place of the ones being suggested for LeBron would be the Bulls. The Bulls still would have a better supporting cast with Derrick Rose, with uh, Joakim Noah, with Lowell Dang. But now you've got Gilbert Arenas, when not bringing guns into the locker room, a perennial all-star, if he has his mind to it, and now you have a potentially once-in-a-generation player in John Wall as a supporting cast for a swingman, or whatever you want to call him at this point, all-world guy like LeBron James. And from a basketball perspective, that is actually competitive, very competitive with the other teams being mentioned, in my opinion now, maybe with only the Bulls trumping that group. Then, beyond that, let's look at the other intangibles. The Wizards owner is now the same owner as the Washington Capitals. He's sort of the Mark Cuban type but sort of on an even higher level in terms of fan interaction. He is beloved in Washington, D.C. His name is Ted Leonsis. He made his money from AOL. And Ted Leonsis owns the Caps. The Caps have sort of stormed and taken over D.C. during a non-Redskin season with their fan friendliness. He has the biggest star in hockey, arguably, in Alex Ovechkin. This would be interesting for LeBron to be able to work under that guy. And also in tandem, you know, the sister team being the Caps and Ovechkin. But more than that, a couple reasons that separate D.C. President Obama will end up being the biggest Wizards fan in the world. And if LeBron's head is screwed on straight, and forgive the rant here, base winner, but I just had to get this off my chest because we never, it's so funny how we no, get you're making a good. You're making a good case. I'm taking this all in. It's making a lot of sense to me. So, if LeBron's head is screwed on straight at this point in the career, and by the way, I'm not sure it is, because I sort of believe into the perception that his priorities are not exactly where they ought to be. I'm not, I don't get the sense that LeBron is a I-have-to-win-the-championship-more-than-anything-else-in-the-world kind of guy. But if he has some sort of perspective on his legacy beyond the basketball court, what better platform to have and what a unique platform to have than the one in Washington, D.C. Because if Obama becomes sort of the first fan, and you can become sort of... I remember when Reagan had Arnold Schwarzenegger as his uh, fitness czar, or whatever he called him. LeBron could end up with that sort of, you know, a, a equivalent type of platform in D.C. So there's that possible angle with LeBron James in D.C. that exists nowhere else. Now, from a sheer young man standpoint, as a guy who grew up in D.C., the concentration of African-American women in the nation's capital is also a lure that cannot be necessarily compared to elsewhere. Well, I agree with you on that. I'm sorry to interject, but uh, you're talking about young women and a young man. I think that's the oldest thing in the book, so, so maybe you have something there. So there's all kinds of angles. I'm not saying it's number one. I still actually believe the Mark Spears theory. And again, I, the podcast on Monday with Spears was very insightful, I thought. I still believe that Cleveland, if I was setting the odds, is still the front runner for him to stay. 
But I'm just saying, the fact that we never hear the Washington Wizards and all of that, now, particularly with them getting the first pick in the draft, I'm just saying, if you hear it in the media now, just know where you heard it first. That's all. I'll well, just throw I that think that's there. a really good take, and I, that's the first time I've heard it, and it makes a lot of sense to me, Gil, and you, you may be on to something. Um, wow, that, that's a really good take. I'm, I'm very impressed with that. I wouldn't. And I wouldn't I, bet. Yeah. I wouldn't bet on it, base winner. Just to tie. It, just to tie it back to a gambling thing. I may not bet on it. I would have to see what the odds are on it. There'd have to be value in the wager. But what I'm saying is, betting aside, why is this not an option now? Like to me, it's just as viable an option as the others being tossed out there. Now they still. Well, you know, we talked about the the bond media. Uh, contingent last week. Maybe they'll listen to your take, and actually, it does make a lot of sense, and I think it would actually help him out from a marketing standpoint. But that's just my opinion. But I want to, before we move on to baseball, I just want to tell everybody that's listening how good I think Mark Spears is. I mean, the guy described, he used to be, I think, with the Boston Globe, you said? Yeah, he was with the Boston Globe for two years. And, and the way he described uh, Rondo was just was amazing. I mean, you got to listen to the, to the podcast, and the guy just describes, goes into depth about, you know, how athletic Rondo is. And, I mean, if you would have listened to, to him talk about the Celtics, you'd have been on him last night, and, and he's right on the money on this team. And, and uh, it's very, it was a very interesting listen for me, and I, I recommend it to, to all the guys out there. Yeah, I listen to our podcast. So yeah, I you know I just again he made me a lot of money on the Celtics last night. You know because I I essentially had said to him I go am I not looking at the 2008 Celtics? You know like am, am I wrong in thinking that? And he absolutely you know confirmed that in spades. So you know just anyway that was on Monday's show. But we are here now to get into the saber metrics of the day. And so I apologize for that huge aside. I just had to get that off my chest. But what, as you look at the board, and there are no day games today. This is sort of the first Wednesday we've uh, had no day games, so we can sort of sit back and relax and analyze it without having to rush to get in uh, the podcast before uh, first pitch. What are you looking at, base winner? Well, I've got, I've got a few plays. That's a tricky card. Yesterday there was some, some day ball, and the day ball was fun for us. Uh, it was fun for you. I know you, you had the, the Blue Jays in a cruiser, and, and I had the over on that game, so that was a real fun uh, game for us, but no no day games today. So we have we have some some evening contests, and and I'll get to the late evening contest. I know you guys on the on the East Coast. I don't see how you do it, you know, watching the the West Coast games. But but I that that's probably the best play of the day on that on the Toronto Seattle game. But uh, you know, one of the things that that I wanted to to discuss is is how in the thread, you know, people are are getting the sabermetrics, they're using the sabermetrics in their daily handicapping. And that was one of the things that, that, that I wanted to on the show. I wanted to go over a couple plays that I have and, and, and mention some, some sabermetrics behind the plays and, and kind of get everybody an idea of, of you know, the, the science of sabermetrics that goes into the betting uh, of the plays. I love it. Okay, well, the first game we're going to go, and we're going to go right back to New York. And uh, it's a pretty interesting matchup. New York is favored at minus 150. I actually have them... A little bit more than that. I have them at minus 162. And I like them tonight because of, of basically two things. If we look at Tampa Bay, if we look at the runs that they've actually scored, as you're going to see, you know, their run average, and a lot of people use this run average in their handicapping. 
but you know, we talked about on a prior show and, and in all pretty much all our prior shows a, a formula called BSR. And basically, what BSR is is expected runs, and, and basically what they should have as opposed to what they actually have. And this is the one, if I might interject, base winner, because we have had some questions about BSR on the thread. This is the one that you just will not find anywhere. This is your own proprietary formula, correct? It, it, it's a formula that, that I've developed based on a David Smart formula, and I'm able to, to crunch the numbers a certain way so that it, I can get a current, a, a current read on all these teams, and you can't find it anywhere. So, I mean, the, the, what I post in the form is pretty good information that you can't get, even if you look at some of the bigger sites, the sabermetric sites out there. Yeah, and you have your own thread where you're doing that. That, By the way, that's not to say, just to clarify, that's not to say that other people don't do their own base runs. I guess in the case of base runs, what I'm saying is, unlike the other stats uh, that we've discussed, like FIP, XFIP, BABIP, and UZR, there is no consensus uh, formula on it, so everybody's pretty much doing their own thing on this one. Absolutely, and, 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 and none of it's broken down. I mean, so you can't get a, well, what, is, what, what should their runs be on the road based on what they've done? You can get what they've done, what, how many runs they've actually scored, but you can't get that expected runs on the road. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because, you know, Tampa Bay's runs that they've scored on the road, they're, they're, sitting, they're sitting at 5.84 runs. So you look at that and you say, the team's really producing on the road. Hey, maybe I'm going to take a look at playing them. And they're, they're, going to, they're going to be on the road in New York. And then, but if, then if you look at this, this expected runs number, which is the number that, like we said before, that they should score based on, on all the components of, of offense, they are, and this is amazing to me, they're a full, a full run and a half less. Well, almost a full run and a half. They're at 4.42 runs. And it's you know, 20 games, so there's a, still a small sample size. But I think the disparity there gives us a lot of value. So you're saying that your, your figures come out a run and a half less than what they're actually scoring is what you're saying? On the road, yeah. They're, they're, a, they're a full run and a half less. They've actually averaged 5.84 runs but they should be scoring 4.42 runs. Here's what I always love about your numbers, is that I always try to listen to what you're saying, and then I try to pull myself back from the sort of lab and the sabermetrics of it, and I sort of back off and I say, okay, in my casual observance of baseball, not so casual, obviously, in our case, but in our, in our sort of just sabermetrics hat-off viewing of baseball, does that make sense to me? And the answer to me is absolutely it does. And the reason I say that is, is Tampa Bay is a very odd team. They are capable of stretches of ball games where they are relentlessly patient on offense and can score a mess of runs, which probably does make sense that they've sort of have a jacked up figure in their offensive output. But when you think of the teams that have really gotten shut down on huge levels, uh, also, the Rays are sort of the first team that springs to mind. They happen to be the team, by the way, that was you know was the perfect hit opponent of Dallas Braden. They just get in, air, and they were the perfect hit by Mark Burley last year. So they're a team that can have just real droughts on offense too. So when I hear what you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that. It makes sense. 
Well, that's good, and I think that's what the good thing about us working together on the show is that you're, you're able to kind of relate it, and I get into detail in the lab and the numbers and the decimals and all that other stuff, and then you can just bring it back and, and make it make sense. And I think that the, one of the things that, that when you're dealing with sabermetrics and that, that I've tried to stress when we've been talking is that we always want to bring it back to a run basis, and, and then you can, you can do your total, you can do your run line, you can make your probability line. And I think that that's the one thing that I just love so much about XFIP and BSR and UZR is it's all done on a run basis. So if you just kind of look at it from an overview standpoint, it kind of makes sense. And, and I'll, I'll get into that, I think, a little bit more in, this, in the Seattle-Toronto play. But one of the other things before we move on to that play, I wanted to mention uh, the way Davis, the starter for, for Tampa, if you look – you know, and this is this this is the stat that they show on the MLB Network when they, they show the matchups in the morning. He's got a 3.38 ERA, but if you look at his xFIP, which is the number we've been working with, and I think it's more of a precise number, it t- eliminates all the static. You have he's got a 4.96, so he's almost a run and a half more than his actual ERA is on his xFIP. Yeah, and that gives us value. And even even you know, you know that the New York line is going to be inflated, and they're at minus one fifty. But we even have value after all the New York adjustment on this game playing the Yankees. Well, what people can't see is as as I'm doing this podcast, I'm sitting here nodding my head uh, involuntarily because when I first broke down that game, while I did not make a play on it, I had wished that the Yankees were just a nickel or dime cheaper uh, to have pulled the trigger on it. But, yes, my lean would have absolutely been in that direction. No way would I have taken Tampa in this game. Well, this, I think, and, and that's, that's interesting because I think that sometimes when I go over games, you're like, well, I was, just, I was really close to playing this game. And it's because the sabermetrics, you know, they really support the, the, the New York side here. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. so I think that's a good play. That'll be my first, my first play of the day of the Yankees at home. You know I'm all about the sabermetrics supporting it. I, I support you in that, without question. Well, well, I, I think we support each other, and I think people are getting it on the thread, too, because I'm seeing a lot of people you know, talking sabermetrics, and it's, it, it really, to me, it makes me happy because you know, these people are learning, and they're learning that these numbers, they mean more than the traditional ERA or errors or, or you know, actual batting average or something like this. That, that's, that's kind of an archaic stat. You can actually use these these sabermetric stats, and I, I want to use the term saber cappers, and I hope we're starting a saber capper society here at pregame. Yeah, and I, actually, to your point there, I want to sort of send a couple shout-outs, and forgive me to anyone who I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but I know JT Evans, for instance, um, has really just really dived into the saber capping element of it, and you know, to the extent that we have influenced that, and he suggests that we have, you know, I really want to totally, you know, give him a shout because that's just phenomenal. And he really has gotten into it and he really dives into it. And there's others who have really made a point to incorporate sabermetrics in. Snakeonia, I know, is doing it a lot with the sabermetrics and he's having a ball with it as well. So shout to him. There's another guy, and I'm not sure that we influenced him. I think he may have been doing it on his own first. Uh, and I'm just seeing him coming around now to the forums is uh, VWG. I believe I'm getting that correct. And so there's a few guys, like you're saying, who really are, you know, sabermetrics focused. And to the extent that it's cashing you, you know, some of your plays, you know, mazel tov, as they say. 
Well, and it really, I tell you, from, from a fellow saber tapper, it really helps me out because I think as we get this group going, we can kind of help each other out. Maybe, maybe you miss something one day that somebody else points out, and that's the beauty, I think, of your thread. And, and that's why I'm so happy that it's not going away as you go pro. No, 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 no. It's staying. It's staying. Promise. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good news. Okay, let's take a look. I'm ready to go here to the Far West game. And I actually got two plays in the same game, so it's kind of a fun one, and it'll it'll keep us busy all night long. This is another game. This is another game I looked at, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Well, we're we're gonna it's Toronto versus Seattle, and we're gonna go with Toronto on the side, and we're gonna go with the over as well. Toronto is is plus one eleven, and I have I have them as like a slight favorite, like a minus one oh two. So we got a little bit of value with them, and I do actually have the over as well. What I love about this, is, before you get into your analysis, is that as a guy who breaks down every game with Saber metrics, I know, <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with this. So I'm, I'm already giggling with anticipation. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, well, let's take a look at look, the starting pitchers because this is this is primarily the reason why why I lean Toronto and over. And I think that this this Doug Fister has been a real feel-good story. In fact, I think he might have been on ESPN, or uh, at least he was online. And if you look at his ERA, I mean, it's a 1.72. I mean, that's that's about as low as it gets. And so people are thinking, well, maybe, hey, maybe this guy's the next Cy Young. But then if you look at his, his, his uh, expected FIP, it's 4.25. It's a huge disparity. I think that, that dude, if you could help me with the math, maybe it's like two and a half, three. Wow, you know. Yeah, that's a huge discrepancy. Huge discrepancy. As you as you say, he has been the most you know quote unquote surprising pitcher in baseball this year. And and people are going to look at that, and I think that's why why Seattle with their their anemic offense is favored in this game, and they they look at that ERA, and then but but what they what they fail to do is kind of look. You know, well, does he, does he really deserve it? And if he's got an XFIP of two point two, then you then maybe you're thinking the other way. Maybe you're thinking, hey, he is this good. But I, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced yet. And then if you look at the the, the opposing pitcher, you look at Cecil, and he's got a he's got a split that goes the other way. His ERA is five point four six, but it's his his expected fielding independent is right at four point zero. So what's interesting about it is he's got an actually lower expected fielding independent than Fister. So, I mean, I think that gives us tremendous value uh, on Toronto. And then I, I want to talk a little bit about bullpens because I don't know if we really get into this, but I want to let everybody know that this is a very important part of the handicapping process, yeah. taking a look at these team bullpens. And, and, again, we have a Toronto bullpen where you look at the ERA and they're at 4.17. Their, their expected fielding independent is much better at 3.87. So it's about a, about a three-tenths of a, of a run better on, it, on the expected. And then if you look at Seattle, their ERA is 3.82. So if you just compare the ERA, you're thinking, well, Seattle stands a little bit better. But if you look at Seattle's uh, expected fielding independent, they're at 4.33. So you, you, you look and you say, well, Toronto, you know, by ERA, Seattle's got a better bullpen. But if you look at the expected fielding independent, and Toronto's got a much better bullpen. I mean, almost, let's see, probably almost a half a run better on the, on the expected fielding independent. So, I mean, those are, that's really what justifies this play on, on the Blue Jays. Well, you know, every day I sort of, I don't say it every day, but basically my process, 
usually ends up being, you know, there's a slate of 15 games. I capped them all. And I'll end up with, I don't know, like on a 15 day, on a 15 game day, I usually will end up with four ball games after my first round that I then want to go and analyze further. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, you know, but basically it's a sort of a first round and then I go in and I dive deeper into the those, you know, let's say four games that I come up with. And this game that you're referring to now, the Toronto-Seattle game, while I did not play it, did end up as one of those games that advanced to my sort of deeper round of capping. It was amongst the four, if you will. And in the end... I stayed off it. Now, as I'm listening to you, base winner, I would be lying if I didn't say, "Hmm, maybe I shouldn't have stayed off it." But one of the um, one the reason I did end up sort of shying away, and when I do mean shying away, sort of meekly. First of all, let me say that I probably, and I don't have stats on this, but the Toronto Blue Jays have probably been the team that I have backed the most times to success this year. I'm guessing. So I love the Blue Jays, and obviously the offense gives us every reason to love them. Um, They have 65 home runs. They have 176 extra base hits on the season, and we're in mid-May. I mean, they lead the majors in both of those categories. They rake. Uh, They got three players in double figures in home runs, and they just seem to be just, you know, hitting on anybody. With Fister in this game, and I too, of course, as soon as you brought up this game where I said I know where you're going with this, is I too saw Fister's um, sabermetrics, and so I was thinking to myself, all right, yeah, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. The reason I backed off is just this this Safeco field factor of Markham is, excuse me, not Markham, uh, uh, Fister, thinking about Markham yesterday, I love him so much. He's giving you, he's giving you good vibrations, man. <laughs> that's, wow, eleven to two will do that to you. You know, <laughs> Markham, dude, <laughs> dude, is Markham not making an early AL Cy Young case? I mean, that guy has been ridiculous. This I want to know if you, you, you went online and got your Blue Jay hat. Yeah, not quite yet. I'm, I'm an Orioles. <laughs> I'm still an Orioles guy. Um, but, uh, but you know, with Fister, Fister does not strike out anybody. He's a real. Uh, pitch-to-contact kind of guy, which you would think, okay, well, against the Blue Jays, he's in big trouble if he pitches to contact. But then you wonder, that Safeco field factor, is that going to mitigate some of it? Balls just don't leave that park. And for whatever reason, I decided I liked two games better, and that was sort of a game where I was hedging on. I was like, I don't know. Because I've done very well, and this is, I I always say this, not to steer it my way here, but, but one of the things that I was mentioning yesterday is, it was great going 2-0 and yesterday. We've had better days on the season than, than just the 2-0. and I've had, you know, a handful of 3-0 and days. But the reason that I loved yesterday so much as a handicapping day was, not only did I just hit the two that, that we played, but more significantly is the games you stay off of. And for me, yesterday, you know, staying off Johan, staying off Granke, staying off Felix... That, to me, was more affirmation on the handicapping process than anything. And today, this was sort of, that sort of fell into that category. Now, that's not to say the Blue Jays won't take it, because I could very well see them taking it. It just wasn't the top two for me, I guess is all I'm saying. Well, and I think that makes a good, you make a good point. If, if you're kind of on the fence, I think the best, the best way to do it is, is to, for, for you is not to play it. And you've been very successful. And you know, if you would have played those three guys, 
last night. It would have taken a sweep oh, yeah. into a losing day. Absolutely. So, so you, you make a great point, and, and, and you might as well give your pop give yourself props because you're a really good, great baseball handicapper. So, well, so I think yeah, that, that people need to recognize that. Well, so. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, forgive me if it came off sounding like I was giving myself props. I guess what I was, was I was trying to say is for me, uh, discretion often, or, or I should say discipline always sort of rules the day. And this was one of those games, your, your Blue Jays and your Mariners, where I absolutely would have leaned the way you're leaning, just just in the same way that I would have leaned the Yankees' way. So I absolutely, totally back the side you're taking. Um, I just didn't pull the trigger on them. I, I really think that that's an intriguing matchup tonight, though, the Blue Jays and, and the Mariners. So and, I'm, and you took the over as well, correct? Yeah, the sabermetrics are crazy, and the, and the reason I took the over is because now you think about it. Now, this from a logical standpoint, they post a total at seven and a half, and you've got two starting pitchers. You've got one guy that's got a four-two-five exit. You got another guy that's got a four-point out. Okay, you got two bullpens, and if you do the average, they're about four. So from the pitching standpoint, everybody's at four. So that means that both teams are going to score four runs. So that that gives you eight runs right there. So right there, just if you just not even do the math and and the, on all the uh, you know exponents that I have in the formulas and all this other stuff, if you just take a look at the the the, the xfips of the bullpens and the starting pitchers, you're looking at at four and probably a little bit over four. So four per team equals equals eight. So now you're you're at a half run more than seven and a half, which I think gives you a lot of value. But then you take a look at and you take a look at Seattle and okay, their their offense is is lousy. They're the worst offense in the in the American League. But even so, you got to give them at least a 3.9 because that's that was the worst they were the worst offense in in Major League Baseball last year and they had a 4.06 BSR. Their BSR is a little bit less now, it's about a 3.5, but I do kind of a hybrid with the BSRs. I gave them a 3.9. But now we look at Toronto and Toronto's overall BSR is 4.83 and like you said before they they can just rake so you've got a 3.9, you've got a 4.8. If you middle it, it's looking about, yeah, you know, just, just off the top of my head, like about a 4.4. So you've got offensive, you've got a 4.4, you've got, you've got pitching, you've got like a 4, and a little bit of a, about a 4. And, and so you're looking at, at eight runs there. So, you know, I, I think that just from a logic standpoint, it makes sense to play the over. Yeah, two, two reactions to that. One, the, the comment about Seattle's offense, geez, if that team – could just get a modicum of offense, you know, just a a token showing of offense on every night. They're, they're, that pitching will just take them to victory after victory. You know, I mean, they have an amazing staff, but God, has their offense been anemic thus far? Yeah, the offense is just is bad. You think they they could have done something in the offseason, but it's looking early on. It's looking like this this offense is putrid. You know, maybe that happens when guys fall asleep in the in the clubhouse. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, that I mean that, that that's what happens when guys fall asleep. But, but but I think you know what? I think with Junior, I think they were, you know, I, I think they had a certain expectation about him. The guys that were really counting, they were really counting on Milton Bradley. You know, they were really hoping that he would just be gangbusters. And well, we know how that goes with a guy like him. And then they just, you know, they they even going into the season, they didn't have power bats. They were just hoping for huge. Uh, on-base percentages from both Ichiro and Figgins at the top of the lineup. And thus far, Figgins has just been a disaster at the plate. And I think more than anything, that lack of production from the number two hole has killed them. 
killed them. They've just yeah, they have been brutal. They they just can't get their offense going. But and and then we're talking about it as as pretty educated people in baseball. But even so, as bad as their offense is, they're still their expected runs are at three and a half. So right. when you look at a total, you got to figure they're going to score three and a half runs a game, and, and it might might defy what you're thinking, you know, uh, from 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 watching them. But th- that's the math. The other thing that you mentioned, just in general, and probably we, I might have, perhaps I should have led with this, was the fact that BSR at its core is sort of the most direct and simplest of all sabermetrics. And the reason that I say that is is fairly obvious, which is all the others we do, the um, fielding independent pitching, the expected fielded independent pitching, whether it's UZR, whether it's uh, batting average and balls in play, or anything that extends off of any of those, BSR comes down to how many times feet actually touch home plate. And in the end... You know, this is going to be the simplest thing in the world, so I'm going to apologize right in advance. But in the end, this comes just down to how which team scores more runs than the other. You know, it's that simple in the end. And so that's why your formula on BSR, base winner, is so great. And again, you have a thread yourself every day, which, by the way, let me give you props. I see gaining steam each day that goes on, so props to you on that. But you are very open, and you only do American League just from a time standpoint. But you list, um, you know, oftentimes, uh, if not daily, I think now, what you first of all what your leans are, but also you also periodically put up your BSR vis-a-vis the actual run. So it's just a, to me, it's the most direct of all things, and, and what a what a resource we have at pregame, thanks to you. Well, Gil, I appreciate. It. Thanks a lot, and and uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of lot of study and 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 pre- preparation to get that number, and I'm able to do it, and 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 not only do it for from an overall standpoint, and and I, I've been waiting to get deeper into the season to do this, but I'm also going to break the the BSR down to splits to home run away, which is very important, and also uh, from and left versus right-handed pitching. And again, I've been waiting a little bit for for some for some data to fill in, and uh, I think that I'm going to get my first uh, BSR split up probably uh, you know Monday or Tuesday of next week, and then we can talk about situational handicapping on a future show. Yeah, and uh, you know even a broader point. I'm sorry to sort of as I as I think of this when you're talking, but it's it's you know if someone asked me, well, Gil, I, I see you're putting more and more sabermetrics into your write-up, whereas earlier in the year you would do it from time to time, and now you're doing it almost every day. There's a reason for that, in my opinion. Um, and if I've I've said this before, forgive me for repeating, but I really do break down baseball handicapping into three distinct periods of the baseball season. It's a long season. It's six months. Six months is the is the regular season. Uh, in baseball. And for me, as I've said before, the first six weeks to two months, which is now a period we're moving out of, it was really all about the fact that lines are terrible often. You know, we see a lot of market inefficiency. Sure, there's other elements. Nothing's ever that black and white. But there's a huge weighting or a huge amount of plays are provoked by just the sheer numbers and the value embedded in the lines. Now as we get into June and July and sort of our leaving May, uh, in our final week and a half of May, to me, what you do, Base Winner, and the Sabermetrics that I rely on become 
even more important because now the lines makers are getting efficient. You know, we won't see huge discrepancies. Now, it's a 162-game season, and it's six months. Sure, those games will pop up. They won't go away entirely. But most of these lines, and, and today's a great example. You said it earlier when you said this is kind of weird day with lines. And when I when I hear weird, I sort of have the same impression, which is, yeah, not a, not a great day where I see lots of games to play. And the reason for that is you got to find value where it is, and it's just not as rampant, in my opinion. It's so, interesting you have that opinion on the card, because I, I shared the same thing. I said, hey, you know, the lines are tight today. No, I agree. And that's, um, that's where the sabermetrics become so much more important now. Now you really do have to rely on numbers that the average person doesn't delve into to find the edge inside the lines. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Gail. Okay, so your plays today, then, just to recap, go ahead, are... We've got the Yankees at minus 150. We have Toronto at plus 111. And we've got the Toronto-Seattle game over 7.5. All right. I I would, I would absolutely don't have a problem with any of those. I like them because they're backed up by the eye test, and that's when I was capping. I would have gone, I don't know about the total, because I'm not a totals guy, but I certainly would have gone... Uh, with your two sides for sure. By the way, just a brief, uh, a brief anecdote. I was watching the uh, J, excuse me, the uh, Red Sox and Yankees, of course, last night. And oh, now I'm going to forget who was behind home plate. Was it? Uh, oh, I, oh, gosh, I checked that too because I thought the corners were interesting. But but it was funny because the announcer even said he goes, "Boy, this strike zone." Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it's as wide as could be. And so I went to my, you know, I always give umpire over under stats. Um, at the beginning uh, or at the beginning of the week, and sure enough, he was one of my huge over umpires. Was it Angel? Was it Angel Campos who was behind home plate last night? You know, I, I'm not sure, but they they kept he, he was not um, transparent. That's for sure because the Yankees uh, announcers, because that that's what was on MLB with the Yankees guys. Yeah, they, they weren't too thrilled uh, with one of the calls he gave Mo. No, he was all over the place. But but you know, again, there's a game that went over again yesterday. It just these. The, I will you know I'll send a shout out to the non sabermetric stats show, which is those umpire stats are about the most reliable thing going for totals betters. Like it's amazing. I mean, these guys really do ump in a certain way that end up with certain results more times than not. I mean, there's a reason why their patterns lead them to overs or lead them to unders, and last night was just a well, great it's, example. It's, it's interesting, these umpires, and by the way, Angel Campos, just looked it up for you, Gil. Yeah. I, was, I was in suspense. But one of the guys on the forum, uh, his name is Kingmaker, he's, he's just awesome at breaking down umpires. And he he'll just get into the to the in depth of, of the umpires and and you have the umpire records on the show. It's very important to look at least when you're handicapping on who's who's going to umpire the game because unfortunately and and this is a this is a rant for another show, Gil. They have not figured out a way to standardize the strike zone. So one guy's going to have one strike zone, the other guy's going to have another strike zone. Mm-hmm. And one guy's going to have it, you know, roughly the eye of a needle size, and the other guy's going to have it as the Grand Canyon. And that's going to oh, matter. Oh, yeah, and, and if you know that, that gives you an edge when you're looking at the game. And, and it really, especially if you're on the fence, well, should I play an over, should I play an under? And that gives you a real good 
good edge on those games that you're on the fence. And, and while and, and, and I'll, I'll, I know we need to wrap the show up, but the other thing you need to look at when you do over-unders, and it pulled me off four games yesterday, is the weather. And had I played the games that I had leans on without looking at the weather, I'd have been one and three. So that's another important thing to look at for the over-under players is, is what's, what is the weather, and it does it correlate with, with your lean on it. And if it does, then great, go ahead and pull the trigger. And if it doesn't, then stay off the game. Yeah, and if, and if the over-under in a day game in Wrigley shoots up three runs in a span of ten minutes before game time, know that the flags are blowing out. <laughs> you know, it's a certain thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Certain things are dead giveaways as well. Um, I apologized for hijacking a bit of the Sabermetric show today as a scattered brain thing and going into my basketball rant, but I did have to get that off my chest. I'm curious to hear. I'm curious to hear people slam me about it <laughs> afterwards. Because... Oh, I don't think I don't think you're going to get slammed at all. I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense, and it it it'd be something that I think LeBron would be smart to take a look at. But... We don't know how smart he is. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess you know, am, am I saying, oh, he's definitely going there? No, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not going to grandstand about it. I'm not trying to do a sports radio show and in, in, in just creating callers. But what I am saying is why it's not a consideration makes no sense to me whatsoever now at this point. So we shall see. Anyway, base winner. Always love the Sabermetrics breakdown on a uh, Wednesday. You got three plays today, and I will be watching them and rooting for you as they play. Gil, I appreciate that, and thank you very much. And, and hopefully next week we'll be on the show again, and it'll be the fourth week in a row where I'll be saying, Gil, you're coming off another sweep. I hope so. We can only hope. We can only hope the gambling gods allow that. And by the way, we made on by design, we should say that today we purposely didn't introduce any new sabermetrics. Perhaps next week or the week after we'll even get in further. Cool? Sounds good, Gil. My man, base winner. On the Betting Dork Show, Gil Alexander, thank you so much for listening. Forum guest on a sale on tomorrow to talk a little MMA. Dude's actually giving me homework for the show, so I got to prepare. That's tomorrow on Betting Dork. Thanks so much for listening.